going to set it on fire. The one place where CEOs like you and me get to be together, where we get to figure out how do we set the damn thing ablaze. Your business, your life, your money, team, company culture, and all of the things that allow us to build bigger, better, stronger. I'm so stupidly excited that you're here because every week I'm going to pull one of my dope-ass friends from around the world or someone who I admire to teach us how did they do it. The reality is that if they were able to do it, you can do it too. And you're more capable right now with what you have than you think. So let the shadow CEO step in and help you get to your next level. Oh, I'm so excited. Are you ready? I don't know how often you pay attention to this, but I, I, it's important to me that you are aware of how important it is for you to talk to someone else about money on a regular basis. So I had a client um, back uh, maybe six, seven years ago, and he was one of our shadow CEO clients. And what's wild about it is that they're doing like $4 million in revenue. And uh, they, at the time, maybe had 30 employees, but cash, cash flow was always a thing, like all businesses. Their margins were, you know, regular service-based margins. So a service-based brick-and-mortar business, their margins tend to be somewhere between like zero and... I don't know, let's call it 14%, maybe maybe 16%. And I remember saying to him, hey, these P&Ls just don't look right. So in the shadow CEO journey, what I do with those companies is I, I sit right next to the CEO and I'm like, they're silent bestie because I can look at all the things that they're looking at, but I'm looking at them from a different perspective and different eyes. But I am a CEO. I'm not a consultant who's, per, who's pretending to understand what the CEO is going through. I currently run a P&L and I have for the last 20 years of my life. So. Anyhow, in this deep conversation around finances, I found that no matter what I did, these PLs didn't look right. And at the time, he was like, no, but Tiffany, you don't understand. I, I have this guy, he's been working for us, and uh, he's really, really good, he's really nice. But what I, what I realized was that every time I asked to meet with him, there was some form of hesitation because the person became defensive every time I would question something on the PL. Now, I'm only sharing this with you because it wasn't until I probably got my third or fourth letter or note from the IRS a decade and a plus ago that I realized how important it is for me to not just have a conversation around money, but to have conversations on a regular basis. We think the bookkeeper is an accountant and the accountant is a tax planner, and that's not the case. A bookkeeper is a bookkeeper, an accountant is an accountant, and a tax planner is a tax planner, and a financial planner is someone else. There are four different people in the money game. For every CEO, you know, like I, I have to emphasize the fact that there are four different people in the money game. It's not just one. And uh, for the first maybe four years or five, six years of me being in business and the first $2 million, I ignored all of those people. Now, I ignored all those people for good reasons. And if you ask me back then, I was justified. I mean, the first time that I went in to a tax planner, not tax planner, but like a financial planner to try to figure out what, what I was doing and to not feel intimidated and to not feel lost, I walked into the office. We were doing a little over a million dollars. And I walked into his office and made an appointment. This white guy turns around and he looks at me and he's like, oh, I was like, uh, I'm here for the 2.30. And, and mind you, I'd already spoken to the receptionist who let me into his office for my 2.30 appointment. And 
when I walk inside, this guy's legit looks at me and he's like, oh, and then he goes, you know what? Uh, I don't think I'll be able to help you. And I remember standing there like lost, dumbfounded, uh, trying to figure out what the hell he was talking about. But this guy legit was like, oh, you know, I won't be able to help you, but there's this guy in downtown. His name is like, he might as well have said his name is Jerome. And I think that he can help you. And it was the most awkwardest moment in ever because as the CEO of a company having to pay bills and dealing with money all the time, I realized how like knee knock I was about just having a conversation with a financial planner, let alone a real person about money. This experience left me scarred. And even though I knew how to make millions of dollars, I absolutely found myself in the barrel of swearing I would never do it again. Now, I wish that I had not had that experience. I wish that I could say that, you know, I recovered quickly. I did not. I ignored all things money and then I had all problems around money that surmounted, but not because we weren't making enough money. No, we were. We were making enough money, but on the back end of making enough money, I was like hiding from the IRS. I didn't know what we should be sending them, all these things. The very first thing is that, because uh, this conversation is just about money. This is like CEO and money. It's just simple money talk. You got to get these four things in front of you and they need to be close. The second thing, you should be able to track everything. You should have access to all your things on your phone. Like I can't emphasize that enough. You should have access to all your things on your phone. One of the greatest exercises I ever did, and I mean about money. How much money did you guys make that day? How much money are you looking to make? What are your spreadsheets? So one of the things that I've done, I'm going to tell you two or three money moves that I've made in the last maybe seven, eight years of my life, 10 years of running this company and are these companies and how they served me stupidly well. For one whole quarter, there was a time in which we had gotten behind in bookkeeping. And instead of going, okay, well, I'm just going to find a bookkeeper, pay them and do such and such. I actually went and found an accountant and I paid her a lot of money to let me come to her house and sit with her while she did the accounting and bookkeeping so that I could do it with her so that I really understood what was happening in the books. Because up until that moment, I realized I had always gone, great, we need this thing. Great, I hire the person. Great, we need this thing. Great, I hire the person. And I would give it to them. They would do the things and I'd you know, receive it back. And I'd be like, yippee, we're great. But in this moment, I was like, I got to get stronger in these this skill. It's not that I need to get stronger so that I can go and be the person. It's just I needed to get stronger so I could make sure we were hiring the right thing. I understood what was happening and that I wasn't lost. I wasn't held by the balls for everything I was doing. This has been my strategy forever, but it served me. And I don't know if you've ever actually spent time sitting with your accountant, but if you sit time time with your accountant and just watch over their shoulders, your life will be so different as a CEO. And it'll make it allow you to set your back end on fire. It was the beginning of me really doubling down. And this is probably Kayla was like two. So this is probably maybe Kayla was one, actually. This has got to be over 10 years ago. I know that it was a turning point of me understanding, not that I don't know what I don't know, but I will never be disconnected as a CEO again. The truth is that every single role I've ever hired since then, I have taken some measures to be a part of what that person's doing, not so that I can replace them, not so I can go retrain them, because that's not that type of scarcity mentality I will never have. So those CEOs who are like, oh, I'm going to go and look over their shoulders so I can micromanage them, and I'm going to look over their shoulders so that I can, in case they leave me, I'm going to be able to rehire. I'm not saying you don't do that, but if you're building something and building something to last, like you're really trying to set your industry on fire, you need to be hiring so that you can trust. And for me, 
I was able to help or be more support to the person in that role if I understand what the hell they're doing. If I'm always sitting there at the mercy going, oh, I think they do something, something, they use the software and such and such and such. The moment that I started to schedule time with people, different people in different departments and just sit in their room with them, do what they're doing, see how they're doing. It's the easiest way for me to find the gaps in our company. It's the easiest way for me to document, well, this ain't working. It's the easiest way for me to establish what new hires or new tools or where should we should and should not be spending money. It just made life easier. You want to make life easier. Last but not least, I'm going to say is that one of the things I've done in the last four years of my life is I went and I brought in bigger guns to help me sort through our profitability per product per hour, per minute that our company is, is, is spending. One of the companies, two of the companies I own are very laborious, which means that every single minute it costs me money. And it's not that it's not as much as me saving money because what I love about our boutique approach in the market is that I'm able to leave these really cool creative people to be creative in whatever it is that they're doing. However, in that same breath, I also have a responsibility to make sure that we can't pay, we pay bills. And there's absolutely been a time where I went, shit, that didn't work because we charged X amount. We went $8,000 over the sale of that means we did not make enough money, but you do that times 10, you have your ass handed to you. You go, "Uh Oh, that's not going to work. We can't do that again. I've been there in this though. Me not using a system. So we use QuickBooks in most of my companies, but in one of them, I literally went to spreadsheets. We have spreadsheets with ridiculous formulas that allow me to see the real-time change when we do this, this happens. I need to see cause and effect. If we increase his salary by $5,000, if we reduce his salary by $5,000, if we don't do these seven items. So one of the cool things on this spreadsheet is that we have a list of tasks and we've associated a dollar amount by the minute, ha ha ha, by the minute to a task. It sounds crazy, but what it did is it really allowed me to look at our services objectively and go, oh, well, if we just stop doing this and this, not only would we be more profitable, but it would affect this, this, and this. It allowed me to see, uh, because one of the things I need to do is make sure that we have the ability to continue to add on to this laborious team so that way they can continue to grow because they're going to grow with other great minds, other creative minds, and other great people. But we have to have the cash in order to pay the people. We also have to have the cash when we get it wrong. We don't have the when we make mistakes, which I had to learn the hard way. So on this finance, on this spreadsheet, in addition to QuickBooks and all the other financial models, we built one on spreadsheets, built multiples, and I see everything, our salaries, payroll increases, tasks, cost of goods. Like it is one of the greatest and most smartest things I did. Now in the past, I used to manage our cash flow, our accounts receivables for our reoccurring revenues and our short-term projects. I've done that for years where I managed that in spreadsheets, right? But I'm not a spreadsheets person. I suck at all that stuff and I hate spreadsheets. But as much as I hate spreadsheets, I love the outcome of them. So I figure out how to use them. In this, when I'm, when I'm trying to scale, so right now in this one company, I'm desperately trying to scale this thing, you know? So trying to scale looking at static reports. So this is like my last money thing. Like if you're in a cash flow place or cash flow is a problem or whatever it might be, or you're like, I got to grow. I'm trying to figure out why. Seeing our numbers in a real time, like seeing our numbers in like black and white made it the most delicious thing for us to do. 
because now I could have conversations with our production manager, with our team. I could have conversations in operations, even in payroll and go, okay, this is the thing I'm thinking. And instead of them seeing me as a CEO, which it seems sometimes and feels like I'm flighty because I got all these ideas. I want to do all these things, but now we can go back, not to just reports, but a spreadsheet allows for a real time report. It's almost like dumping the data into a a moving, like a report that's moving with your thoughts. So now the spreadsheet dictates all of my meetings and my meetings now, like we've gotten rid of, especially in that company, we've gotten rid of tools. We've gotten just rid of things. And now we're moving and making decisions based on a fluid process. That is probably my, my last most important kind of money thing. Oh, you know what? Last. Two, I wish, uh, all things money. So I wish to God that I had learned that you could get loans to pay for shit. I can't even begin to tell you how pissed off I was the year that I figured out that all these people that I had seen for all all these years took out $150,000 to start their idea. That I also got even more pissed off to find out that when cash flow was a problem, that these people weren't doing the shit that I had done my first seven, eight, ten years of business. And they were simply heading to banks and getting cash flow, lines of credit, all these fancy things. No one ever told me about this stuff. No one told me. My bankers never told me. I realized that they were all white, which is a different conversation. And they were mostly male, which is a different conversation. Go ahead and judge me. Say whatever the hell you want. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that I spent my first 10 years in business. I probably am responsible for $50 million in my first 10 years of business in different ways. Come money I made for with and for manufacturers like Xerox and HP, the amount of dollars I added to their bottom line, the amount of dollars that flew in from my bottom line. I never knew you could use other people's money. I never knew that you could get a loan. You talk about being pissed. What? Do not use all of your own money. Now, this is not a conversation of me saying, don't use your own money and hoard your money in the bank and then go and use other people's money. This is not that conversation because there have been many times where I have gone through all of my own personal cash just to float the companies like I have, and I would do it again tomorrow. So I am not saying that at all. Um, I know there are CEOs out there who are building companies and they're like shells, so they don't care about the people inside. And they will not sacrifice themselves for the company. I will. I will always do that. But what I didn't know, like there were like 20 times, especially in the last 10 years that shit is hitting the fan. All the things are going wrong. Cash, the cash flow is not there. You could run a million dollar business and have zero cash in the bank. And people don't understand that because business at that size, like in my size, I, I cannot go to bed at the end of the month without putting out at least 50 some thousand dollars. That like, it's an impossible equation today in my life, no matter how much I cut back or remove this, that, and the other for what it takes to keep the thing, the businesses that I've created flowing, it takes a lot of cash. Now, there are days when the deposit doesn't come, the ACH does not clear, the check, the bank needs an extra two days with the with the check. Like all those things happen. What do you do? You have a bad sales month, you someone gets sick, you get sick, hello. And all those things happen. And what do you do? I had no clue under the son of God that you could go get credit lines. I didn't even think about credit cards. Do you know that I built all of my millions of dollars of businesses and things cash off of the sweat of my back? I never took out a credit card. I never took out a loan. I didn't start any of them with any money. 
every single thing I bought, every equipment, every hire, every vehicle, everything was out of if I made the money, then I bought it. Now, you know, I have a best friend and she told me, she's like, you know, not nobody I know can do what you've done. And and there are people who have done what I've done, but it's not normal. I learned now that everybody took out loans and they did this. Now, why is this important? Because whenever I talk to businesses now, like especially companies who I'm helping, I'm serving them and I'm like, okay, great. Well, we want to do this thing. We have this expansion idea and it's really could be very profitable. And they're like, oh, should I do it? You know what the first thing they're doing? They're like, oh, but I don't want to take out a loan. And I'm like, why not? The reason why I go there first is because I oh, I often see that it's pride on the other end. Pride is the one thing that left me. And I, maybe it's cultural. You know, when you come from second and third world countries, you're proud of being not owing nobody no money. You're proud of it. You're proud of not owing nobody no money. You're proud of just like saying you did it on your own. You're proud of just using cash. And it's like a pride thing. And I, my parents were prideful. Like my whole family, everybody I know was prideful. Nobody I knew even thought about things like that. So I think that being in America, at least, you know, like I either, I, I, I feel so strongly that having access to some money will help you in the times when the dark clouds come over your business. And that's my point. And I wish that I had known sooner. And the truth is that I sit here today and think about the many dark clouds that have come over my my business and my life from getting sick and being out of the office for six months to having, I had someone come and sneak into our world and they deleted all of our, my, all of the last seven years of my intellectual, my, my business property, our websites, our, our landing pages, our client files. I had someone come and attack us. Like, I can't even begin to tell you the amount of, um, like, I can't even begin to tell you the amount of sabotage or things that have happened in dark clouds. And it's like, well, what do you do? Are you always starting over from scratch? You can't. But what you can do is you can look in the mirror and look at your resources and cash and money and knowing about your money and cash and cash resources is one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself is not leaving yourself in the dark. Making sure that you have access to some form of dollars or knowing that you can apply was everything. Me getting my credit score together was money. If it wasn't for last year, I don't know what we would have done. If it wasn't for me getting my hands on dollars and cash for cash flow, especially when I was sick, I don't know what we would have done. In the last two years alone, not even just two years, but in my life, there was a chapter in which I was 400,000, three, 400, maybe even more dollars behind. And you look in the mirror and you're like, man, well, what am I going to do about that? And it's like, I'm going to do exactly what I, what I did before. I'm going to make the money. Money will come and go, but your sanity won't. So my entire point in walking down this road is that I want you to be, get real about money. Like, I just want you to get real about money and not ignore it. And I don't care how much revenue. Back to me really quickly before I go and get out of here, before it gets too noisy for me to even finish what I got to say to you, because this is so important. So I talked to you about that client, right? He's doing $4 million. And he was like, no, Tiffany, no, he's a great guy. Da, 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 all this stuff. I challenged it. Cause that was my job to challenge what was inside of the company. Everybody's role, ev- all the things that I was seeing, he did not know that this report was not good, but I knew it because I had begun to do the work and getting better at money. Come to find out that this guy was doing a, the most piss poor job ever 
all of our numbers were wrong. And more importantly, he knew almost the littlest of littlest on how to truly put a pro forma and a, and a profit model together for this company. Fast forward, you know, I'll never forget the day, the level of pride that I had years later when he looked at me because they crossed the $10 million mark. They made the Inc. 5000 list. They've now done it twice in a row. And to know that I'm responsible for that. And I shouldn't, I can't take sole responsibility for it, but I was a part of it. And he talks all the time about how me going in his business and looking at it as a CEO. And it's like, it's crazy because even as I sit here today, I'm like, the things that I started with is the money and the money and the money, and then the systems, and the people behind the money, and that's it. So I can't, I, I, I am praying that this has served you. I can't wait for you to set it on fire. This is step number one. Setting your money, setting yourself on fire is not the goal. Setting your business on fire is. And how do we do that? By understanding and knowing exactly what's going on with our money. And you can start today. And if you have no idea what to do next, just ask. I'm right here. Wasn't that ridiculous? Isn't it wild to think that that person is made of the same thing that you and I are? Which means that you are just as capable of setting your business, your life on fire right now. But you know what it starts with? Action. And you know when that action starts? Now this very week. Here's what I know. Somewhere inside of you is something you have not done, something that you know you need to do and a place that you need to dive in deeper. I ask only that you do it right now. And if you're like, Tiffany, I don't know what to do. I need a little help. That's okay. You're going to do one of these three things next. Either one, you're filling on an application so that you and I can figure out how do we work together. Two, if you're like, Tiffany, I just got a quick question for that amazing guest you have on. Chances are I've got their cell phone number in my phone. And if you leave me a question or a comment somewhere, I promise you I will find it. And more importantly, I'll get that question answered for you and hit reply. Third, if nothing else, you are saying to yourself, I'm so excited. And you're pressing save and subscribing to make sure that you are with us again. 